0: Diana Wiley. I'm your host of Love, Lust, and Laughter, Molly Apple and Joe Dunn. They are the most wonderful couple together 20 years. They wrote the soulmate experience and now their second book, Wild Monogamy, is about to be launched. Welcome back to this program you were on about eight years ago before you started writing your newest book.
1: That's true. Yes. Hello. Great to talk to you again.
0: Yeah, great to be here. Thank you. It's wonderful to have you here, Molly and and Joe. And and, uh, you have, with Wild Monogamy, you have drawn on stories from real people, lots of real people, lots of fascinating interviews, and, of course, the latest research on sex and love. So this book encourages couples to develop or maybe redevelop their erotic intimacy. And um, before we get into the wild monogamy, which is a book about to launch, but it's available. You can read chapters of it. Why don't one of you tell us just a little bit about how they can look at the book now and when they might be able to purchase the book, and then I, then I want to ask you a little bit about the two of you and how you met and all of that. Sure, Talk sure. A little bit about your book and its availability and what could they can learn right now about it.
2: It will be out in a month, uh, available everywhere as an ebook and a regular book and an audiobook and you can download free chapters at our website mollyandjoe.com, that's m a l i and j o e and that includes in the very first chapter something we call the intimacy inquiry which is something that can spice up your relationship for a long time
1: <laughs> just by reading it
0: <laughs> just by reading it isn't that exciting we we're, we're going to get into that too in in our conversation but um before we do that, I'd really like to hear um, a bit about you two, because you're, you're just a a glowing couple. It shows, (laughs) it shows in the photographs. You, you've got it. You've got it going on. Um, Well, thank you. We we,
1: we feel like we have it going on.
0: (laughs) Yes. And, you know, it's so, it's so nice. My husband and I do too. And it's, it's really enjoyable to be with people that are so in love and so in lust (laughs) and, and they, they're mature and they know what they want and what they need and they can express it to each other and they can write about it, which you've done so beautifully twice now. (laughs) So, um, But it would be fun for us before we dive into all of these, these, uh, the topics of relationships and intimacy, uh, I'd really like to know, and I know our listeners would like to know how you met and how you knew this connection was really special. And then how you began writing and coaching together, because you do have a coaching practice, which we'll tell people a little bit more about as we go. So how was it for you? How'd you meet?
1: Sure, we we met uh, just over twenty years ago on Craigslist, which uh, at the time was still you know having uh, uh, relationship uh, personals personals, and the the great thing about Craigslist for us was there were no boxes to check, no forms to fill out, and no pictures to look at. So we started a dialogue that went on for probably at least 3 weeks where we were writing to each other multiple times a day without ever having an idea of what the other person looked like. And it was finally after about 3 weeks we decided, "Oh, let's let's meet in person." And it was really it was really great that we did it this way for for one main reason and that is that I was never attracted to redheads.
0: <laughs> ah.
1: <laughs> and had I just been scrolling through pictures of people, I might have just scrolled right past Molly. And I'm, I, I'm so glad that we didn't have pictures. And I'm so glad that I got to learn what a redhead is really all about. <laughs> and I have been in love with redheads ever since.
0: Ever since. Well, it wasn't that a pleasant discovery it
1: really um,
0: was it was yeah so what do you remember what was going on in your mind what preconceived notions you might have had about redheads uh that were certainly dispelled once you met molly i
1: you know i i think i don't know what it was it was just i was just never drawn to redheads you know that were in their freckles and um i i it was I don't know what it was exactly I never had bad experience with redheads I didn't have much experience at all with redheads to be honest had I had I would probably have been much more excited about meeting Molly but uh <laughs> but we were we were so connected just after those three weeks of communicating um online that I, I didn't care if she had hair <laughs> right um... it, it was just you know I I said wow a redhead oh this is going to be interesting and it has been more than interesting for the past 20 years
2: you know it's interesting to me that so often today dating coaches will give people advice that you need to establish that um, attraction immediately so the pictures are important and you need to not have a dialogue that goes on very long at all before you meet in person to see if you have chemistry And we violated all of those rules, and it worked out beautifully.
1: We had chemistry, like (laughs) nonstop chemistry from the moment we started writing to each other. And we didn't let any pictures ruin that.
0: (laughs) No, I think that certainly made it a little more pure. There are, however, some people, and I have them in my practice, uh, I'm thinking software engineers who are very introverted and and uh, have social anxiety, and they will spend long time just emailing or texting before they meet in person, and and sometimes it's just too long. They mm-hmm. need to, to. It's a different kind of situation than what than what you had, um, and but I I advise people to to you know take. Have, have correspondence of of a couple of weeks and then go ahead and have a phone conversation at the very least mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right but anyway, you had Sparks right from the beginning and it must have been uh such a such a delight for you both because you'd had previous marriages mm-hmm. and children and but what what were you looking for that you felt like? oh, it's going to be in this other person. This is I think I've met my match. Did you have some of those feelings?
2: I was looking for someone who was really, really open to doing relationship differently. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had run a spiritual group for a number of years by that point, And I just came up with lots and lots of ideas for having relationships that I would try out on the people in the group. They were wonderful. And I got to a point where I really wanted to meet somebody that would full out be willing to, you know, establish a relationship on things like acceptance and gratitude and openness and all of those spiritual qualities. And Joe was just so willing. I'm not sure why he was so willing, but boy, it was <laughs> such a joy. <laughs> Plus, when the first when I first saw him, I uh, in that two seconds when I first saw him, I'm like, wow, I hit the jackpot here because he was so, so handsome.
0: <laughs> he is. He is. Uh, and you're both, judging from the pictures, I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you in person, but you're both so fit looking and, <laughs> and you look so energetic and I can see lots of uh, body language of hugging and yeah. Listeners, go to Joe J O Joe and M A L I Molly and Joe Molly and Joe. Sorry, it's the f- woman first. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> M A L I A N D and Joe.com. dot com, and you'll see them. Lots of lots of body language that shows that they're just really connected.
2: It it is true. I mean, we're sitting here. Joe's got both his arms around me, and I have my hands around his leg. That's how we're sitting. (laughs) (laughs) It's just
0: lovely. (laughs) And you will never have the problem of of being touch um, hungry. You will never have that problem. And many people do. You know, people can people probably won't die from not having had sex, but people do die, especially if they're older from not from being touch hungry. They just haven't been touched in years. Sometimes it's really sad. I I, I believe that one reason, little old ladies get their hair done a lot is it's a legitimate Aww. way to get touched Aww. with the shampooing. Of right. it. Yeah. You know? hmm. Oh, dear. I'm so sorry about this. I'm going to uh, turn that off. Oh, I meant to do that sooner. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I apologize and I was having trouble getting in on Zoom and then I didn't do the rest of it. So, <laughs> let so you you have a great connection. It's wonderful. And um so let's let's you have your book is has some spiritual dimensions in it just as your first book did. Uh the soulmate Connection. Did I get that right? Soulmate connection.
1: A soulmate experience.
0: Experience. Yes. I. Yes. So. Um, so you began writing this book. As I understand it, your current book, Wild Monogamy. Uh, you began writing it seven years ago, so it's a, been a, a real labor of love, literally. It,
2: it it really has, has. Yeah. and i think you know so many of the um initial readers who've been reading it have communicated to us how they they understand how complex it was because we cover so many issues that people might have in their relationships in their sexual relationships in their intimacy and we tell dozens of stories from real couples many who we've coached and others who we've just interviewed and it all had to be put together in a certain way so that the concepts would fall out naturally in order so that you could understand you know one one big in- item before you get to the next big item so that you'd have those tools to do what we're suggesting in the next chapter. So it was it was quite um, quite a labor and
1: a lot of delicate issues that we had to just make sure we're right Mm -hmm. for everybody reading them.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. So uh, uh, Joe, what's an example of a delicate issue?
1: Well, uh, you know, when uh, when we're writing a book, um, where there may be multiple genders, Right. We have to make sure that everybody is addressed Mm -hmm. equally. Mm -hmm. Right. We don't know what there's many, many different types of relationships. And so we're we're trying to speak to everybody who's in a relationship.
2: We had two LGBTQ reviewers who are professional book reviewers going through our manuscript um, and having conversations with us about things that we could address better or be more um, universal in the way we (laughs) talked about them. And just so many of the issues that people deal with, you know, body issues, low self-esteem issues, those are all very touchy subjects. If you're talking about like a woman who feels insecure because of the way her vulva looks, that's a very, very touchy subject, and it's something that millions of women can identify with. And we really wanted to address it in a, a loving and helpful way.
1: Yeah,
0: it's it's-, it's it's very true. And you know, years ago, a colleague and friend of mine, Laura Berman, this was maybe thirty years ago. She did a study on <clears throat> women and their Appreciation or their dislike of their genitals and women who had an appreciation of their vulvas and their labia and their clitorises and and even reaching inside their vagina, they all had much better sex. Hmm. Much, uh, They were not so inhibited. They could be much freer when they accepted their genitals and there are lots of women and porn is a culprit here because yeah. many porn actresses have had labia hucks, and um, oh uh, all kinds of things mm-hmm. so- maybe
2: plastic is the biggest growing plastic surgery Labiaplasty, yeah. And when you go to the websites of people who perform that surgery, they're doing a disservice to women because they, to people with vulvas, because they're showing very natural pictures of vulvas and pointing out that there's something wrong with them. And they're a part of the issue
0: now. (laughs) Yes, they are. And the danger in getting this kind of surgery is that nerves may be cut. And, And so pleasure, is likely to be diminished. I I think it's just horrid that this sort of thing goes on. So we do have a
2: couple of stories in our book about couples who have worked through this together and yes. how the partner has helped the person with the insecurity feel a lot better about who they are and what they look like.
0: So uh, so that that takes a very good partner to to do that and to be so accepting, in your uh, in your research and just in general, you probably have come across Betty Dotson, who who died a couple of years ago in her well into her nineties. Yes, of course. Betty, yes. So, and Betty Dotson was actually an acquaintance of mine, and and was on the show some years ago. She was a force to be reckoned with, and but she had her first. Show she was a wonderful artist, and she did lots of line drawings of many, many vulvas and clitorises, and and how different they all looked. And she'd have her her she'd have women in her apartment, um, it, it just right near the Empire State Building in New York City, and they'd sit naked in in a room, and they'd look they'd look at their vulvas. And then they'd look, get a mirror and look, you know, so many women <laughs> haven't really looked. They've Some, a lot of women have never seen their cervix. So that means when you're in a doctor's office, you need to ask for a mirror. And when he's got the speculum or she's got the speculum up there so that you can see your cervix. That's an important thing to see, I think.
1: <laughs> oh.
0: May I tell you a little story? That- yes. So when I met Joe,
2: I asked him a question early on. I asked him a question. I said, are you a breast man or a leg man or an ass man? And he tells me, I'm a pussy man, is what he said. Ah. And I had never heard of such a thing. And I, I I just didn't I didn't even get it. Like, I didn't even understand like and so. I had to understand this because it's the way I am. And so I went off and I spent a couple of weeks collecting pictures of vulvas, like all different (laughs) kinds. And I prepared a slideshow of about 300 photographs And when Um, you you do your research very thoroughly,
1: very (laughs) thorough,
2: (laughs) and I didn't tell him what I had planned, I just said I had a little exploration we were going to do. And we we had a date night, it was, you know, like a Friday afternoon, and we sat (laughs) on in front of my computer and I opened it up and I started the slideshow. And one at a time, the pictures would open up and I'd say, so Tell me, why is this beautiful? What are you attracted to? And he. <laughs> I had a great time. <laughs> and we went through every photograph, and he told me. And he got me to be an, a, a huge appreciator of this beauty that I didn't really understand prior to that time.
1: And I think that's, yeah, that's one of the reasons we're so opposed to things like labioplasty, um, just to do it for the looks. You know because there's such beauty in the individual person
2: individuality. Right? The, the
1: individuality the yeah yeah and i think that we need to you know embrace that as opposed to try to change that and, and make it
2: all the same yeah because as you say there's so much less to explore when it's all been tucked away and everything's been made to look the same well
0: yeah. and i'm thinking you know lots lots thanks to many things men are much more familiar now with female anatomy than they used to be you know 12 15 years ago uh part of it's the internet and pictures but um and so but we've got vestibular. we females have vestibular bulbs that are attached to the clitoris like upside down commas under the labia And when a man munches lightly during cunnilingus, I'm going to guess, Joe, that you really are a cunnilingus master, if you like. (laughs) He's a
2: connoisseur.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and that's, for women, that's often the best way to reach orgasm. Anyway, um, so these vestibular bulbs with light munching can fill up with blood, and then that helps with female arousal so much. You're enjoying, yeah, this, Joe. I, I I am enjoying this. this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am enjoying this. Yeah, yeah.
1: Have to cancel everything else this afternoon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, isn't this an example of how sex talk can be arousing? And this is a big part of your book. This it is, is. My segue. absolutely that's is.
2: The, where the intimacy inquiry begins. Is we want to help people open up the conversation around all avenues of intimacy that they could explore together
0: and and you you give some very specific ideas about how you can uh <clears throat> open uh, develop and deepen your erotic connection through through provocative conversations
2: mm. and a lot of help for couples who would find that initially very uh, uncomfortable we also give a lot of tips for how to start very gently for instance with a question like can you remember a sensual experience you had when you were a child just a, something to do
0: with your senses yeah <laughs> and that the, and then that gets you to go back uh and think i mean we're all we're all born sensual We have a birthright, I think, to pleasure because we're all born sensual creatures. And uh, in utero, boys have been seen masturbating, uh, pulling on their little penises. But the most interesting thing is that so have little girl babies been shown uh, with, with ultrasound. And it looked like these little fetuses were actually coming to orgasm.
1: Wow! Wow!
0: So this is all before we're born. So we we've got, we've certainly got the we're programmed to do it, <laughs> to have pleasure, and to so many people get derailed, don't they? They get derailed, and uh, yeah, and I think sometimes our sometimes our parents, sometimes our
1: parents derail us, right, by their beliefs about what's what's appropriate and what's not.
2: Yes. And I think that's one of That's one of the things we try so hard to do in this book is offer people all kinds of ways to work through all that stuff that we had laid on us as kids and from our societies, from our churches, from our families, even from our friends or our previous relationships. We come into the relationships with so much stuff.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: We really believe we can, instead of having that, you know, be a barrier to our connection. (laughs) There are always ways to use it to deepen our connection and intimacy if we have ideas on how to do that. And that's why we filled this book with stories about how couples have done that.
0: It's not
1: really easy to get going on these things, right? It's not we're not comfortable doing it. So that's why we offer so many suggestions on on how to do it just from from very, you know, what's the word, very tame suggestions to, you know, suggestions that are right on the edge.
0: Yes, because people uh, are at all different levels. And most people did not come out of a family of origin where sex was spoken about uh, comfortably or where the parents actually gave their kids sex education. In 1955, on a a road trip from Santa Barbara back to Hollywood, where we (laughs) lived, uh, my father started the facts of life discussion (laughs) and my mother came in on menstruation and I was just astounded. I did not think about how babies were made, the penis going in the vagina. And I'm looking out the window and my sister's, Nineteen months younger, and she's hanging on every word. <laughs> she she grew up to be a very private, introverted woman, and I became a sex therapist, really out there. So, <laughs> but I was very lucky to grow up to get the secure attachment with mm. the parents, who were affectionate with each other and with us, and and sex was uh, accepted. Of course, the caveat in those days was when you're married you'll have this gift of your virginity to give your husband <laughs> that's how old i am but <laughs> i did not live up to that i but i i did keep my virginity till i was like 21 which is a pretty long time got all through college and everything wow uh, <laughs> and then i started exploring and i had all of my 20s to do that before i got married at 30. And it was a real revolution to discover my sexuality. And um, and that's what your book is about. Hopefully you're still discovering it. Oh, s- still, yes. Still <laughs> discovering it in a really hot marriage. We're <laughs> I both 70 something and we've, we've got a really robust sex life. It's a wonderful thing.
2: It's fabulous. That's great.
0: Very healing. And you guys do, too. So let's I want to get into something a little more specific in your book, because in your coaching, you've seen that people, especially men, are more reluctant than ever to commit to a monogamous relationship. So what what how do you coach these guys?
2: First of all, we've been saying just wait till our book Wild Monogamy comes out and then you give them this book and you say, (laughs) <laughs> I want to build a relationship based on this kind of sexual and intimate connection and I think that will do that will go a long way because the thing that we've seen so much and particularly we we often are coaching um people who are in their 40s 50s who have been in a full relationship been in marriages for a long time raised children and what we see is a reluctance to get back into a relationship that might go the same way in terms of their interest in each other falling off. And to propose up front and to open up the conversation about intimacy, connection, sexuality right up front and say, I want a relationship where we we explore these things and it's part of the basis for why we're together. and I really believe that that will go a long way to address some of the fears that particularly men have getting into another long-term relationship.
0: Yeah, men do have these fears. I I remember one counseling with uh, uh, a couple and then I saw them individually too. And uh, he had been quite the playboy. <laughs> And but he was serious about wanting to marry his lady, and uh, I and so he he scheduled an individual session with me and he talked about his fears of being monogamous, mm-hmm. and, and we talked about um Christopher Ryan's book mm-hmm. Sex at Dawn and how we are uh hardwired really to not be monogamous, uh, to men to spread their seed. I mean, we're going back to ancient communities and uh, to spread their seed and and for women to look for protection and how the early woman, if she's pregnant, she's more vulnerable. So she might even have sex with a man who brought her more food uh, because she couldn't in the hunting and gathering stage. I mean, this is what the re- their research showed. I don't know how sure mm-hmm. we can be of it, but... But so th- so men men are afraid that they're going to get bored and stale and that they'll uh, be uh unfaithful that's one of the things that they fear about and they don't want to go into a marriage with those fears
1: um it's, you know it's sort of understandable too when they're on the, on the internet and they're seeing all these come on for other possibilities or they're reading about open relationships. And so they're saying, well, why would I want to limit myself by getting into this monogamous relationship? And I think what we're trying to do is we're trying to offer all those feelings that you get by being single and incorporating them into a relationship so it stays exciting and stays sexy and fun.
2: Right. Like, like the concept of we have a whole chapter on this, um, on playing, playing on your just enough jealousy edge, which is a a really, a, a really spicy place to be if you can get a handle on jealousy and it's not in control of you, which we go all through how you might do that if you have that, if you have that issue, if you have trouble with jealousy, and actually begin to use a little bit of it to could stay connected with your passion and desire for this person.
0: Molly, can you give an example, uh, maybe f- from one of the case studies that you offered in in your book, uh, Wild Monog- Monogamy?
2: Sure, sure. So for instance, we, we had worked with a couple, uh, they would go to yoga class together, they were married, and she would spend her whole time in yoga class in her head, feeling anxiety about her husband seeing these other women in yoga class and she could not get her head into the yoga. She just kept thinking about that. And when we worked with them, we worked on what are those messages you're telling yourself and let's let's bring them out in the open and let's have your husband hear them and let's him him talk about what's really going on for him. He was funny. The one thing he said is he says, I'm not thinking about any of that stuff. He said, sure, there's attractive women in there. He says, but I'm just trying to keep my balance. (laughs) (laughs) And we worked on different things she could try, like stopping that stream of thoughts by having pre-programmed thoughts she's going to think instead. So she worked on some of that and just having conversations with her husband after class where he'd say, how was that? What did you tell yourself? And he would help her dispel those thoughts. Mm. And they didn't necessarily get to the point that Joe and I are at where if we go to a class together, I if there's an attractive woman right next to Joe, for me I just use that. I use that idea that oh, he sees somebody attractive, he's you know going to be turned on after that or whatever it is I might tell myself, but I'm going but I know he's going home with me.
1: <laughs>
0: exactly i will be the so, recipient that's of right so event. she's going to
1: use that uh that charge i might have picked up in class to her benefit
0: I, my husband and i do the same thing if if he's he's so good with women and he's so kind and compassionate and he's such a good listener and he's tall and good looking and all of those things that i love about him so he he's very attractive to women and um so I I I say, "Oh, yes, I can see him again through new eyes, the way this woman is attracted to him, but he gets to go home with me, right. And, right. Yeah. And I am the chosen one." And you know, that's the thing. If women feel chosen, and their sex life is really good. I think that that they they're not going to have the jealousy issues. I mean, I have had very little jealousy in my life uh, overall, even when I was younger. And part of it is that I had good self-esteem and good confidence and that and that I was an attractive woman. And and I I didn't. Anyway, I just I, I haven't had much trouble with jealousy, but it's really nice to see your mate. With uh, through the eyes of somebody else. And oh, sort of a fresh, seeing them afresh.
2: There was a evening when we were out at a nightclub we like to go to and we were at a table and Joe went up to the bar to order a drink. And he started up a conversation with another woman that was ordering a drink and she looked so into him. And Mm -hmm. it got me going like, whoa, and what was so great about it was I got out of my chair and and unlike what some people might do is go up and want to be a part of that conversation or want to interrupt that conversation, I walked to a part of the bar where I was so that I was behind her and I could see over her shoulder what what she was seeing. And I'm like, yeah, of course she's interested in him. Look how cute he is. Look how friendly (laughs) he is. I just love Literally trying to literally see through her eyes what she was seeing.
0: And that worked for you. And oh, yeah. then I bet you went home that night and had extra-
1: <laughs> I, th- I think you might say it worked for both of us.
0: <laughs> sure. Yes, I understand that. I understand that. Um so you in in your book Wild Monogamy, you encourage couples to explore the edges of their erotic comfort zones and they to do this exploration to keep their sensual connection energized mm-hmm. um tell us more about erotic uh, exploring the edges of sure of our sure comfort zones
2: you know being comfortable together is a wonderful thing in a relationship but if you're comfortable a hundred percent of the time I mean comfort is really the opposite of excitement. True. And so if we want to keep having excitement in a relationship, we've got to look at where those places are where we can stretch a little bit. And there's all kinds of different ways to do this that we go through in in the book. But basically, you want to take a look together at where, where you might be a little bit nervous, but I'd like to go. So and that might be something I want to explore in the bedroom. It might be a place I'd like to go with you, like a an erotic ball. There's shows you could go to where you might be. One person might be really nervous about going to that, and just having conversations about it could be where their edge is at the moment. Mm-hmm. Wherever, if we can have these conversations and find these edges, we'll always have something to explore. We always have edges to explore. So and 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 we can set up these sort of adventures you can do together to explore some kind of edge.
1: And Molly Molly set up a good one for me um <laughs> a number of years ago many years ago. Yes. Um that I was always um uncomfortable being naked in public or around other people. Uh-huh. And so she one time we were Oh, probably a year or two into our relationship, and she brought up the idea of going to a, uh, a clothing optional spa. And yeah. although, although the idea appealed to me, the thought of being naked around people made me extremely nervous. So I just sort of—I think—I laughed it off the first time, and till she brought it up again, and and um, you know, she—I I think I'd had one bad experience with a previous partner who when I would express some discomforts, she about said going about to going something like that. Yeah, she said, oh, what's the big deal? You just take your clothes off and there you are. You know, And it wasn't something that really made me feel comfortable or made me want to do it any more than I had. So
2: because she wasn't she wasn't accepting of where you were and understanding. And... Yes, exactly.
1: I right? yeah. just like this is what you do because she was comfortable. Right. So, so it's like, well, I'm comfortable. You should be comfortable. And it wasn't that way at all. So yeah. Um, so I was resistant at first when Molly brought it up, but we, we eventually went and we, we started off in a, in a private little pool where there was no one else around. And, and, um, I was comfortable there. And, and,
2: and and one of the things that I used to, to help you was we were outdoors. It was beautiful. Right. And to, to help you stop focusing on your fear and focus on things like the feeling of the, the sun on your skin and the beauty of the nature around us and it gets your mind off your fears a little bit
1: that's true and yeah. and so i don't know if it was that day or the next day we went into the main uh, main pool area and uh um after uh, uh just a quite a bit of nervousness i i dropped my towel and and uh, walked across the uh, the pool deck and i, I heard heard some some laughing and then and then I uh, heard this woman say to her partner, look at that guy's tan. And <laughs> You have to understand I was a competitive swimmer. Um, so I spent a lot of time in a Speedo and I had there was quite a do. contrast. I still do. <laughs> I, there was quite a contrast between uh, the skin under the Speedo and the rest of my body. And and it was it was like night and day.
0: I call it, it his such... birthday speedo. Right. <laughs> ah, that's cute.
1: That's good. <laughs>
0: cu- well, Joe, I didn't I've been a swimmer for 50 years, not competitive, but mm-hmm. uh it certainly isn't it a great way to stay in shape. I just love swimming. It's almost a meditative experience. It
1: is very much a meditative experience. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
0: yes. Well, that explains, yeah, you and your speedo sexy time <laughs> huh yeah you know um we've been talking about um the the exploring erotic at edges and and i think that can help sustain desire which is you know the thing that that really needs to be sustained in long-term relationships and but sustaining desire requires I think it requires reconciling two opposing sets of human needs. And th- those opposing sets of human needs are for security and adventure. Yes. Right. The domestic and the erotic. Yes, absolutely. So security, adventure, domestic and erotic. we honestly believe you can have both. Yeah, I do, too. <laughs> I mean, it helps, doesn't it, to live it out? It does, <laughs> um, and um, yeah, I think in our pre interview i <laughs> I confess that sometimes my husband with a big smile calls me dopamine, Diana, well, dopamine that's because I'm often interested in bringing new things into our sexual relationship, and so <laughs> is he, but I often initiate those things, so. Dopamine, as you know, but some of our listeners may not know, dopamine is the hormone of arousal. And Mm -hmm. dopamine gets expressed when there's novelty. That's one reason why new relationships, you can't keep your hands off the other one. You stay up till three in the morning chatting. And there's all this novelty and dopamine along with testosterone. And um, so... We got to figure out how to trick the brain in long-term relationships to having new, something new, new adventures, new right. explorations, right?
2: Yes, absolutely.
0: Yeah, that's the whole
2: point of um, exploring your erotic comfort zones. Yes. For instance, if, you know, my, my interest in sexuality, one of the different kinds of sexual connection, different dimensions, we call them, besides the physical and the emotional, which lots of people uh, have to have an emotional connection to feel sexual feelings. Yes. Another one is the intellectual slash creative.
0: Yeah, let's talk about, talk
2: about that, Molly. That is my favorite. I mean, mean, that's that's how I came up with this idea of doing a slideshow of vulvas, right? It's my creative, I'm wanting to explore in different ways. And so I bring that to this relationship and I think you do too Diana. I can hear it <laughs> that you <laughs> that you do creative things all the time. And Joe, that wouldn't be his natural. He's he's really his his primary dimension of sexuality is the physical, which is wonderful, but he's also open to me bringing in all of this crazy ideas and trying things out. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. She brings a lot of fun to the relationship. A lot of excitement.
0: Yeah. And if you're not yeah. having fun, I always say, if you're not having fun, you're, well, you're not doing it right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> True. <laughs> you
0: know, and then fun and play. And honestly, sex is the best kind of play. <laughs> and it shouldn't even necessarily have a beginning, middle, and an end. Mm. And some people, especially men with performance anxiety, take sex <laughs> very seriously, we've got a job to do here. And so th- there's no fun uh, and it's really unfortunate because there's also very little laughter and couples who laugh together last together after all.
2: And I, I feel for this world because where porn has gone, And especially Mm. because it's the abundance of free porn just focuses in on these few sex acts we've given names to. Mm -hmm. That's all it ever is. And so many kids these days are their, their idea of what sexuality can be. It's just so, to me, it's so warped and so narrow. Yes. And it's it's really sad. True.
0: It's very sad that that's the way a lot of, uh, many, many, many. I don't know how many people are getting their ideas about what sex is, and it's uh, it's they don't realize that porn is entertainment. Mm-hmm. And if they would only swap uh, watching porn for a good bottle of massage massage <laughs> oil and give their partner a massage and do whole body caressing, mm. whole body touching women need that anyway don't they for for awakening for awakening up waking up and women need at least 15 to 20 minutes of foreplay and and it, when there <clears throat> when that happens um the uterus lifts up and away from the top of the cervix and the entrance to the vagina thickens a little the uh the inside of the vagina tense out and then this uterus lifts up and away. If that hasn't happened, and a man goes right for intercourse, uh, his penis can touch her cervix and then her uterus, and it makes it very uncomfortable for the woman. Yeah. So there are lots of reasons for spending time with full body caressing. Outer course, everything but intercourse, right? Um,
2: you're, you're giving me an idea. I don't think we've ever done this to just cover ourselves in oil. and Hmm. <laughs> Maybe in the shower. I will that...
0: figure out how to do this. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: well, put down, oil. Put
0: down uh, <laughs> towels, or here's a fun thing. Put down rubber sheets. Uh-huh. And you can, you know, there's, uh, I did some research in Japan in the early 90s on the guy geishas. So they the opposite gender and there's a uh, Kabuki Cho has um, as a sex district in Tokyo and. Um, there's called soap land and, and these these women have big air mattresses and and their male customers come in and the women cover them with soap and just bubbles and soap and sponges and and they roll around in the soap and laugh and play.
2: Yes. <laughs> I think oh. we. I think we need to. Do
1: we this. need to go to Japan.
2: No, we'll oh. do this right. <laughs> <there>. <laughs> <laughs> Though, if we do go to Japan, we ought to go visit one of those. That's
1: places. right. Yes, yeah. we should. Yeah. Yes,
0: yes, on the <laughs> list. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, um, but did you have any other ideas, Molly, about um, about exploring with? the vagina and the uterus and and maybe soap and oil no no soap in the vagina but no soap in the vagina no that's very bad (laughs) no no sugar things either it can set up a (laughs) nice vaginal infection
2: (laughs) well um we do go through how to give your partner an erotic massage in the book okay good and i loved a couple of times I've done it we've just done the whole scenario like joe was coming to my place paying for it and I was the service provider and that that's just that's just super fun you know a lot of people aren't you know aren't fans of role playing don't want to try it but when you can let go of your ideas about how uncomfortable it is or any of that, and just give it a try. And you don't have to be a great actor. The point is to have fun. The point is to just have some laughter. And you just go for it.
0: That's a a good fantasy. It's a very uh, good fantasy.
2: And stay in your roles. One Mm -hmm. of the great ones we did was I hired Joe, basically as a a gigolo. And he, he had a restaurant.
1: Mm-hmm. We uh, we spent the uh, a good hour or so at the bar talking about um, well the the services and the previous experiences Molly had had with these Hi, service you. providers and uh, it was all flight. it was all made up but we had so much fun and I I have to say I, I was one of those who didn't think I'd be that into role playing. But when I got to take on the the role of, of a gigolo, <laughs> and here I was to you know coming to service my client, I just had so much. We both had so much fun with it. It was it, great,
2: especially since next to us at the bar was another couple, and uh, they spent the entire time trying to listen in on our conversation. Yeah, sure.
0: <laughs> but, you know,
2: they were sitting next to us. And that just got me going. Like, I just was so into the role.
0: <laughs> I didn't want
2: this date to end. She that loves an audience. It. it was
0: great. <laughs> oh, uh, that means probably, Molly, that you're a bit of an exhibitionist, are you? I think, I think so. I think yeah, and that, that can work. <laughs> no, no, this role playing is great. And it also helps, helps the person discover new aspects of themselves, Absolutely. like you did, Joe. You yeah. got that gigolo in there. I do.
1: Joe the you're, you're
0: worth the ten thousand dollars she's gonna pay you.
1: <laughs> Wait, ten thousand? I didn't know it was that much. I gotta raise my rates. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I've I've had some shy couples finally learn to play out some fantasies, and when they're in another role, they they have a, a better voice.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) they have a a voice sometimes for the first time so that can be a lot of fun Um, you have another section in your book the healing power of eroticism and you explore how couples can turn insecurities inhibitions, shame and even performance issues into opportunities for intimacy so I'd like to spend a few minutes talking about this. The hour has gone so quickly, so we don't have that much more time. But can you talk about the healing power, powers? Sure. of? Mm-hmm. Sure. And you can develop
2: a space where you're accepting of your partner, whatever it is they show up with. I mean, and you get this idea that we're all humans, we're all going to have stuff, we're all going to have these experiences in our past that caused us to feel certain insecurities and certain areas of shame and just know that we all have that. It's very few people who don't have insecurities or shame in some way. And then making a space for us to be able to gently look at those, whatever they are, and come up with some ideas for how we might try to heal those things. And that's why we give dozens of stories in our book about how couples can do this. So that yes,
0: we can learn from other people. So the yeah. anecdotes are really powerful. So for
2: me, the one that I came into this relationship with that was just, had really kind of ruled my sex life was, I grew up with a father who was totally obsessed with large breasts. Mm-hmm. Talk about them all the time. I remember it from when I was really young, him talking about, women that he'd see or women on television, and I'd sit watching TV with him, and he would just have this running commentary on women's bodies, mostly focused on the size of their breasts. Bigger breasts, better. Smaller breasts, not good. And as a little girl, you're flat-chested, and you're like, well, am I going to Grow into somebody who's good, or am I just always going to be insufficient? And I didn't have large breasts when I grew up. So I'm 19, 20, 21 years old, very self-conscious about having small breasts. And I was obsessed with large breasts. I was always looking at women with large breasts. And when I met Joe, there was a moment, I remember specifically where we were, where he detected there was some, I was holding myself back in some way. And he asked me really gently about it. And by that time we'd established that this was a safe place, like I could tell him anything, and I told him about my issue with my breasts were insufficient. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that led me to come up with an pretty much an all-day uh, exercise. Well, it wasn't just one exercise; it was many. But uh, we got a camera out, and I took pictures of Molly in all kinds of poses
2: that you found attractive,
1: that I found attractive. Some, somewhere, she was wearing some clothes; somewhere, she wasn't; somewhere, she was in the shower. And then we did something similar to the the vulva exploration, where we got all the pictures, and I went through them and I showed her what I found so attractive about her breasts.
2: And yes. the thing that I had to do during that was suspend my own beliefs about it and just trust that he's telling me his truth and for this short time I'm going to believe in his truth instead of mine. And that he, is
0: wonderful, and I I love it that you had your own PowerPoint with vulvas, Molly, <laughs> and then he's got his with, with you, showing you that your your body is so beautiful as it is.
2: And so often our partners are much less critical about our bodies than we are. And if we can trust ourselves to see what they're seeing and suspend our insecurities just for five minutes, what Joe did for me, and it was a lot more than we wrote this whole excerpt about all that whole day in our book. So it was more than just the photographs that he did. But through all of these different explorations that we did that day, I totally let go of this belief, totally, completely, 100%. I've never since thought in 18 years that my breasts were insufficient. I no longer have this obsession about large breasts. I find all kinds of breasts beautiful. And it just did so much good for me and for us.
1: Yeah, I was going to say it did a lot of good for me, too, because <laughs> now she she wasn't you know contorting herself into positions where I wouldn't see her breasts and, <laughs> yeah. you know, which, which doesn't make for a very connected sex life. If, yeah. you're, if one person is spending all their time trying to hide a part of them from the other person. <laughs> so it was it was a great thing for both of us to do.
0: Yes. Yeah. So you, you have um, I've, I'm trying to find. Yes. It, it, when I went online to read part of your book, a part of your current book, um, you have a wonderful question. What do you love most about sex, both, <laughs> both in general and with your partner? Whoa, this is a great question. Uh, I'm going to integrate that question into some of my counseling with couples that I see. Uh-huh. I think it's a great question. So how how um, how would you answer this (laughs) really really Mm i love how you turn the tables on us and have
2: us answer this question what do you love about sex
1: um getting naked with you um it's it's such a i mean i mean there's it's such a connecting experience right there's no more of a connecting experience than sex typically
0: Mm -hmm. and it's Uh, so intimate isn't it it's just you you have your own little intimacy bubble
1: Right. And it can go, you know, any different way you want it to. Right. Every experience can be different. Yeah. The creative side. And um, yeah, that's.
2: You know, I think for me, it just takes me out of our everyday lives. You know, and when, when we go somewhere new and special and the creativity is a big part for me too. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, it's the way it, when you're a child, you can play, right? You just go out and play, and it feels like that to me. Like this is our playtime.
1: Yeah, we're yeah. In, the, in the playroom.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we've talked about a lot of really important things, and and uh, so in my show notes, I'm going to. Remind listeners of your website, Molly and Joe, -Joe M-A-L-I-A-N-D, joe.com. And people can, your book will formally be launched April 23rd, did you say? So like a month. 27th, yeah. 27th, okay.
2: Yeah. And they and, can also find us on uh, YouTube at Molly and Joe and Facebook at Molly and Joe. Or come say hi.
0: Good. And you're very photogenic, tele- telegenic. You're, you're, you really are. Thank I you. love your red hair. Do you have any Irish in you? I don't. Mm-hmm.
2: I don't. But I love it too. I was a redhead, and I, you know, went gray pretty young, like early twenties, and then I found henna. So ah. I'm a henna <laughs> Oh, no, you're a henna head.
0: And it becomes you very, very well. And, and I
1: love redheads now.
0: You no, know, of course you do.
1: <laughs> they make you know, my head swivel. When I see one on the street, I go, oh, there's a redhead. You know yeah.
0: <laughs> well, they have the reputation of, many do, of being extra wild. Maybe that's one reason you call your book Wild Monogamy.
1: I think that's a big part of it. I didn't know how wild they could be.
0: <laughs> well, I'm, I am I want to have you back for after sometime after the 27th of April, when your book is fully launched, and we'll explore it even more. But I think we, we gave listeners a pretty good idea about your book, Wild Monogamy. And what's the subtitle, one of you?
2: cultivating erotic intimacy to keep passion and desire alive
0: and that's it and yep. that's what we're all seeking a yep. love connection that <laughs> that combines uh, uh intensity and serenity um and uh, uh, adventure and you know um quite a few years ago aarp did a survey <laughs> And there, you know, they found that men had become more savvy about female anatomy. I mentioned that earlier in our interview, and women to be more responsive and adventurous.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So we women have to keep doing that, and men too, to be to be responsive and adventurous. That's good. That's good. It's a yeah. Good formula. Yeah. Hmm. Thank you both so much. This has been a wonderful hour um, with lots of good information and I will be in touch with you so that we can have a part two after your book is fully launched.
1: We'd love it. And thanks so much for having us, Dr. Diana.
0: You you are welcome. And uh, everybody check out their website so that you can learn more about wild monogamy mollyandjoe.com. Thanks, everybody. Thanks to my wonderful guests. I appreciate you. Bye-bye now.